This is Being Single and Happy with Prem Lata, a podcast about nurturing joy in life as a single person. Well, hello again. Welcome to our podcast series called Being Single and Happy. Bonjour, hello, namaste, salam, hola, and jumbo. Our episode today is called Cultivating Communities. And as always, I have my two co-anchor stars with us, Ahmed and Michelle. So welcome to all of you from wherever you're listening in the world. Today's episode, again, promises to be yet another kind of transformational episode. And as I was thinking and preparing for it, guess what? We've just had our first snowfall in Toronto and I was watching the snowflakes. And I tell you, I mean, I looked at the snowflakes very differently today than I've ever done before because each and every flake actually charts its own course, which speaks to the uniqueness and diversity of each and every individual. And as I gazed at it and it became even a little bit more mesmerized by what, was, what Mother Nature was offering us, I thought, my goodness, each and every snowflake also represents a person on this planet who we can influence and positively impact. What a beautiful, wonderful opportunity. So that gets us into the subject of the matter, which is called cultivating communities. Now, community is a word we know. Over time, we used to say community, and for some people, it may be a singular, but for most of us, it's a, a plural, it's communities, and with its intersectionality, and that we understand. But cultivating, where, where does that word come from, right? So cultivating just means reaping the benefits from what's around you. It's harnessing and harvesting the possibilities that are out there when we put ourselves out there in touch with folks around us who are not the norm that we are constantly around. In terms of why this is important, all I can say is, for some of us, it's intuitive, and for some others, it may not. But there is a whole universe of possibilities out there. So I wanted to close your eyes and think that you are in an oceanfront beach. And you're sitting at the beach, and you are actually really enjoying every moment. There's a whole ocean out there waiting for you to tip your toes into and get to experience a whole different joy in life. So I hope that doesn't sound too esoteric. But this is what cultivating communities is about. It's about how do we get out there, explore the possibilities, and then how do we just really get in there and get a lot out of it and give back to the community as well. So having said that, it's also important to say, how do we do this? And we will get to that a little bit later in the episode. I don't have a formula for how to do this, right? But what I can tell you is the benefits that I have derived from it. And I'll just give you three simple examples. So in the 1980s, when I was just coming out, I was at our local community center, which happens to be the 519, where we used to meet. In those days, Pride was a few hundred people, maybe a few thousand people, not the one million parade that we see in recent history, right? And I saw a few South Asian faces and we talked, we connected and fast track. We actually formed a group which was about brown faces, about South Asian queers. And that was in the mid eighties. Now, 
35 years later, I know so many of those people and they've given me so much in my life and friendships that we have evolved. And we actually brought in so many people into the group and helped them confront issues on homophobia, on race. That's one example. The second one is in the following decade, I happened to be a United Way volunteer and I actually was brought in to co-lead a strategic session for the South Asian Women's Center. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? Like I'm a man. But the woman who invited me said, we really want you here. And we clicked. And she then said, I would love to work with you in the social welfare. It was a portfolio at the time of the Aga Khan Council. And again, fast track, I was appointed vice chair. I was appointed chair. And I just left myself open to the possibilities. And I became the first openly gay person to be appointed to the National Council as a head of a national institution, which was my father's dream. It was so big for me. And in that, I learned so much. And hopefully, I gave a little bit as well. The third and final example for me is the Dignity Network, which is, which was, we've kind of founded it or seeded it, I should say, uh, in 2014 around World Pride. And I just felt a really strong desire to do some advocacy work for those who don't have maybe the same privileges as we do in Canada, around the world. So globally affirming LGBTIQ to ask rights became a very important part of my mission and of my life. And through dignity, I can tell you, I can write a book on it, how much I've benefited from it, the number of people I've met through it, the number of experiences, the number of very, very different sets of thoughts. But most of all, I love the partying, I love the friendships, and I love that we were able to actually achieve a real goal. So that's an introduction to the whole cultivating communities. Our listeners, it gives me so much pleasure today to introduce our two esteemed guests. You have no idea how happy I am to introduce to you Haresh Daswani, who has been a friend kind of a soulmate for me. And it's not just personal. He is an amazing, amazing public figure as well. And so, Haresh, thank you for agreeing to participate with us. The second guest, Kimali, who I only met about five or six years ago, or maybe seven, it feels like a century, is a legend in our movement. And Kimali, I, I have no words to express our appreciation for the fact that you've made time for us. So thank you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And me too. I'm just delighted to be here. Thanks for, <laughs> for uh, in including me in this. Um, can I just say, Kareem, you are uh, a legend and a mentor and a friend, uh, and I've learned so much from you. And so I'm always, always happy to just spend some time with you. Oh, thank you. It's exciting, Koresh and Kamali, to have you here. It's kind of bittersweet because it's our last episode. And over the season, we have talked about an array of topics ranging from self-acceptance, nurturing yourself. And these are topics that even though this podcast is called Being Single and Happy, these topics are relevant to all people, regardless of relationship status, which is awesome. Now, Kamali, I know in your career, you have a background and a history of transforming organizations successfully and building community. In my experience, I you can't create community. But what you can do 
is create a space for that community to evolve. What can you say about that and the benefits of leaning into that community once it grows? I've been really fortunate in my career to see just how transformative community can be. I have been involved in such amazing community networks and organizations and seen what the power is in individuals who are driven by mission and purpose, frankly, changing the world, whether it's through you know HIV and social justice to working extensively with the LGBTQ plus community. We're stronger together. For me, leaning in and tapping into the the power of community, which are, you know, uh, like-minded individuals who come together uh, with a sense of purpose. For, for me, those are real the real benefits of community. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Kimali. And, and one of the things that we were talking, we had an episode around redefining family, and we we started going into the concept of, you know, what the chosen family is, people that you need around you, especially it matters a lot for people who are you know, people of color or choose alternate lifestyles or grow up or live in a space that they didn't, you know, were raised in, that they need that sort of family. And then we were trying to go into the concept of a community. Is there a bridge? Is there a difference between what is a family what versus what is a community? What does community mean to you? Community is an extension of family. An organization that's dear to my heart is the Black Coalition for AIDS Prevention. And, you know, that organization was founded by a group of mentors and heroes of mine who were trying to come together for a common purpose. The people who come out of the organization feels like a family. You know, we have our own families that are near and dear to our hearts and we have extended families. And as LGBTQI plus persons, many of us have chosen families that were either created because some of us were abandoned by our families. Community is an extension of that. You know, I think the people who gather towards causes or who you know, form communities end up, yeah, feeling like an extension of family. That's very cool. I, I do want to say to listeners, if you felt some ASMR happening, that was Michelle's cat on her microphone. She's still doing that right now. Well, let's just play into the lesbian stereotype, shall we? <laughs> Harish, what does is, what is, uh, community mean to you? You know, I don't think too much about the definitions and things like that about words like community, family, and so on. But, but uh, what I can say is that being part of a community has been inculcated into me since I was young. I grew up in a very small ethnic community uh, in Singapore, a very close-knit community, definitely lots of pros and cons to that. One thing my father told me, he wanted me to, of course, be networking within the community. And I didn't want to do it very much when I was getting uh, into my teens. He said, no, Harish, you must go get mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> he meant mix around with people and so on and so forth. But it was one thing that he was just saying, you, you must do it. It's good for you. Yeah. So, okay. So I did it with some trepidation, but I, I did it. But it's something that I have actually naturally gravitated to. And I think here's the important piece. A lot of people think they must do this or they should do this or that or the other. Most important thing is to do it authentically if you can. So if you gravitate towards something. So I gravitate towards spending more time with my school friends who happen to be not part of my ethnic community. 
most of the people in Singapore that I grew up with are Chinese. But that's where I gravitated towards. So I had lots of friends in school. I had lots of fun. I had a wonderful childhood. And sometimes I would hang out with the Cindy community that I, that I kind of was part of, but not as often. And my closest friends were not part of that community by and large. It's something that's been near and dear to me, and I have always done it wherever I've gone. Do it in a way that interests me, or I gravitate towards rather than feeling like I'm forced to do something. That's awesome. And 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 you said those words, which put a smile on my face, uh, must do this versus should do this, right? That's, that's I think, every most of us have heard that piece. I guess my question is, let's, let's separate the activities for now. Let's say, you know, must versus should used to be around play sports or not. You must, as you look at your communities, have a sense around which people would support you from day to day, or you should make communities or bring up activities that will bring joy in your life? Maybe it's not about what you should do, but what you should get out of it. I, I think the first thing that's jumping out at me is not so much what you can get out. I mean, you know, it's where you can contribute is where you would feel welcome, I think. So if you can contribute in a certain way, then you can also think about what you can get out of it. And I think it's it's pointing out to me something that I shouldn't be thinking about the outcome. I should be thinking about the intention. And that's where my thinking was flawed there, right, for a bit. So I, I think you might have answered my question. I don't know, Kimali or Karim, if you had anything to add to. How I answer the question is thinking about what what is community? Like, how do we define community? Mm-hmm. At a very basic level, it, it's people coming together for a common good or or have something in common. You know, com- community can find itself in in different ways than you think. The benefit, uh, you know, why people join communities is is to be part of something bigger than themselves. From my own experience, that and how it's led to my life and my career, it's been around people who come together to solve problems, you know, with a common good. And I think there's lots of joys in doing that. Now, if you talk about networking in particular, networking is a vehicle to do that. It's not easy to find people to connect with, uh, that you have things in common with. I'm actually not an extrovert by nature, um, even though it might appear so. And so community and finding community was a vehicle for me to to find other people who are interested in the same things I am. And I think that's what networking really does. It it, it provides forum and opportunities for you to find like-minded people who you could build community with. So it's interesting that you say that, Kamali, because when we discussed networking, when we were talking about this episode, I cringed because I associated the word networking with that multi-level marketing, you know, let's let's just go and pretentiously hand out our business card and just there's that self-serving, what can I get out of this? And then actually it was a conversation with Karim, and I'm gonna ask him to to speak to that in a moment coming together to solve problems for the common good. And how do you do that? And it's through networking. What are some ways that people can network? Because I know that defined that word for me. And I'm hoping that you know, with a little bit more information, it could possibly change the perspective of anyone who also sees the word through that lens. Michelle, I would be happy to answer that. But before I do that, just let me just complete a, a small loose thread around the shoulds and the musts, right? I learned in, in my university years, the difference between should and must, and that we've just got to let go of all of that, right? And so, and to Harish's point, it's about authenticity and, and just being driven by something inside you versus the norms. We talked about navigating norms and we're told what to do and what not to do. 
However, some of those we will actually do, some of those we may not. Community is something completely your personal choice. And so A, it has to be authentic to Haresh's point. The other small point I would add, it needs to be gravitational, meaning it needs to follow a gravity. You can't feel like you are defying gravity. One needs to naturally flow into things. And that is a nice way of bridging into your question about networking. I know that networking, you know, we've all grown up, we go to the boardrooms, we exchange cards, we say, let's do lunch, and then you forget the face. And the next time you meet them, you forget their name, and then you ask someone else what their name is, and we've been through that charade. Networking, in my mind, is if you are having a conversation with someone, which I happen to be as Kimali said, he's an introvert. And most people think I'm an extrovert as well. But in Myers-Briggs, I'm actually right in the middle. I am between an introvert and extrovert. So it's taken me a while to kind of understand the strengths of both. And so when I think about networking, I think, who am I meeting? What is this soul about? What is this individual about? And when I say I want to have lunch, I actually mean I want to have lunch and learn from you and get to know you better, because I know that that experience will yield to me a larger benefit. And then the third point on networking is, networking is just allowing you to go to places which you may not have otherwise. So when I'm at public events, for example, I make it a point to circle the room, as they say. Just circle the room, see who is out there. I personally try to go to people I don't know because too often I see cliques and then they stick around and, and there is the, always the one or two kind of people standing on their own and I will go and talk to them and, and see what I can learn from them. And Michelle, it's so rewarding. Mm. It's so rewarding because out comes a whole beautiful human being for you. Well, it's, it's interesting. And I, I want to bring it back to Kamali here because Kamali, you mentioned about, you know, being an introvert and being in these situations where you can network with people and Karim was mentioning we're going into these places where you can have those conversations, but how can people do that? Like, what are some ways that you found? Let me clarify. I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily describe myself completely as an introvert, but I, I think I'm not as extrovert as I might appear. You know, I, I think the point I, I was trying to make is, and, and Karim, you know, I'm still reflecting on you saying that, you know, networking brings you to places that you might not be, get to otherwise. Uh, and that was really powerful for me because I think that's that's it. I find it very easy once I meet someone to have a conversation with them. But getting to that first step is really hard for me. Like I'm not one that will naturally just go up and talk to someone. Although I found I find it very easy to talk to someone about an organization I'm involved with or uh, talk about connecting on passions around an organization. That that piece is easy once you get there. But I think I, 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 I'm almost sure I'm not alone in the fact that getting to that first stage is really difficult and can be difficult if you're not someone that's just naturally inclined to go and talk to someone. The first thing you need is opportunity, right? And networking presents just the opportunity to do that, right? Uh, and, and what I found really rewarding in our communities is that those spaces exist where you can find an opportunity to meet someone or find someone that at least, you know, there's some likelihood that you have something in common. As Kimali is saying that I'm vigorously nodding my head because I 
I consider myself as an introvert. And I, there's a meme that I keep on seeing popping out on my Instagram, which says, how do introverts make friends? And it's a pie chart. And half the pie chart is they don't. And the second one is, well, they find an extrovert friend, they like them, and then they adopt them, which is kind of, you know, my, my life story. Like I wait for people who can, you know, I can rely on to meet other people as well. So I think there, there definitely is a challenge, which I think a lot of people would associate to, which is the social anxiety and the energy drain, which is around saying that first high or having to cut through that small talk to get to something more meaningful, right? Harish, do you have anything or insights or things, tips and tricks to share on that of how to actually approach a conversation with a new person? I just want to pivot it just for a second in terms of the kinds of places that you can network or the kinds of communities uh, that could exist. And it's not as daunting. It doesn't have to be like, oh my God, you know, there's this board of directors that I have to go network with or this group who who does this kind of fundraising and I want to be part. It doesn't have to be uh, those kind of complicated things. So if you think about it, you, you went to school or you went through a, a professional college, like so to become an accountant or something. Mm-hmm. There's going to be network of people who have the same interests. They are accountants and you might be able to connect with them through uh, that way. So this and then there's workplaces that you work at. Right. There's lots of people. This really is a power of people is what communities are. So at workplaces, there's lots of people and some people just I, I maybe isolate themselves. But, you know, so how do you reach out? And so let me just go through the various different types of communities that I was just jotting down as the conversation was going. Then there's religious communities. If you belong to a religion that and you go for some uh, services, uh, there's communities that you could uh, connect with, uh, individuals within those communities you could connect with, sports, uh, other professional communities. Then, of course, if you're you know LGBTQ, uh, yeah, so then there's various different groups that you can uh, connect with as well. Uh, uh, I certainly was a huge beneficiary of Kush, which Karim was one of the initiators back in the 80s. And, to, and when I arrived in the 90s, I didn't know a lot of people. And uh, through Kush, I've made some amazing lifelong friends. So, like, okay, how do I meet more people here? I guess I was fortunate enough to know somebody who also had moved here from Singapore who told me about this group. And so I decided to go for the for one of the meetings. First of all, you have to just put yourself out there and go. If you think you're going to be interested in this group, sign up, go for one of the meetings. That's a first. That's a huge step. Just being there. And once you're there, and, and I know for a lot of people it can feel very stressful if you're a new person in an environment, just be there and try to be as open in your feel as possible and make some eye contact. Just look around. And if you happen to make eye contact with somebody, maybe just hold that for a second longer. And if you feel that there's maybe some connection, see if you have the courage to walk towards that person mm-hmm. uh, or perhaps the other person might walk towards you. And then just say hello and introduce yourself, ask uh, about that person. And I think one of the biggest keys is being curious about the person, means ask questions right. about the person. And most people are interested in talking about themselves. Right. And hopefully the person will reciprocate and ask you questions about you as well. And that's when the connection starts to happen. I, I love that. And it goes back to Harish, you were saying earlier, right? Like a do something that's authentic to you. So find out those communities. And then the second thing you said, if you're in those communities and you're feeling a little shy or hesitant, 
you've done school, you've done college, right? So you can do this. It reminds me one of the things that I was working with a coach a few weeks back. I had a big presentation to give to more than 200 people and they're all like really leaders in our community. And it was a first presentation after the pandemic and it wasn't in person. So I was very nervous about it. And the person was basically uh, like that coach basically told me to reframe my mind from saying, because I just didn't think myself as a shy person. He's like, instead of saying, I'm a shy person, say, I'm a confident person who's sometimes shy. For me, it worked. It was such a big difference. Um, so the reframing of that and the fact that we've all done this before, that's why we're in that room. You know, we, we need to go back into that, into our strengths, because we, we, we have that in us. This kind of leads into another topic, because again, everyone that is a part of this conversation is an activist in some way. And for listeners who are thinking when they're listening to us talking about coming together to solve problems for the common good, right? And they think, well, I want to get involved. I want to give back to my community in some way. Where would they start? And Karim, I'll start with you because you are known in the community as a philanthropist. Actually, all three, like Haresh, Kamali, you know, the three of you are names synonymous in our community with giving back. If we can go around and have each of you speak to that, like where to start and how to get plugged in. It's a great question, Michelle, because I think so many of us get held back because we don't know where to start. As Haresh was talking about his um, you know, first meeting at Cushion, eye contact and everything. The first step is just recognizing you know, what attracts you. And we've said this before, but I'll say it again. It's like what attracts you, but what also feeds your fear because Sometimes it's not just attraction, meaning you will not feel like I just want to go there today and I'll with full bells on and so forth. That's not all of us. Sometimes going into spaces that are strange to us, that are foreign to us, is actually very, very worrisome. It's fearsome. I've been there so many points in my life, going to a place and then walking away from it thinking, I don't know if I can do this because I'll just make a fool of myself or I, would, I don't know anyone. In that regard, a couple of tips. One is feel free to invite a friend along to go with you just for moral support, just purely for moral support. Once you are in the conversation, I think most people will recognize that it becomes easier. Okay. They've gone through the toughest moment because they've shown up. That's the toughest thing we need to do is just show up where you want to be. After that, I think it just gets a little bit easier. Because then you say, oh, my goodness, this is not as, <laughs> as bad as I thought it was. And this is a conversation I'm really enjoying. That will just generate a whole other plethora of things that you will, you will want to do. Right? And then, so the, there are these tactical steps of how to get into that community, which is, I would agree with what everyone has said on this platform, which is, it's difficult. Whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, it's just difficult because we're dealing with something inside us that, that ignites fear, whether it's in being in public or it's a cause that you are interested in, that you are feeling like, you know, I don't know what I have to say about it. And like there are many, many, many things, but it's a human condition because change is always a little bit difficult. Once you do that, then imagine yourselves, back to my metaphor, analogy, whatever, of stepping into the ocean. You have taken that step, which is fantastic. 
And once you are in there, let the flow take over. Final thing would be if you can recognize something that lights you up, that lights some other people around you as well. It can't be a solo effort. A solo effort is not community, right? If you do that, and if you see something that, that can ignite positive change for one person, two people, many people, in Kimali's case, it's so many people around the world who he's serving in his day job, right? Who lead lives that are not lives like ours and he brings them in. But it doesn't need to be about, it, it's big and we're going to influence thousands of people. Get together with a bunch of people, align to a common cause, align to a common cause inspiration. And then you will find, I think, and this is just me, that you have found a cause for change, for positive change in life. So that's just my little formula. I think there are probably as many formulas there are as many people on the, on the planet. But this is just my formula. Because to me, what scales it and codifies it is that finding the common cause and saying, I want to stand for this change. Whether it's repairing my skating rink in my local neighborhood or it's making sure that certain kind of education is offered in our neighborhood schools, but it's something that you stand for that's for the nth time. It's a positive change for people around you. And back to the question of benefits, I personally don't think about benefit as much. I just think about let it evolve and the benefits will come. Anyway, my life experience has told me that the benefits will just naturally evolve and they will be surprising. Well, thanks for that, Karim. What about you, Harish? As we talk about getting plugged into, you know, giving back, are there any steps one, two, three that a newbie can do? Yeah. So I think everybody's in a different place where it comes to wanting or the ability to give back. If you are in that place where you're ready to feel like you want to give back and, and that you can, I think, again, going back to, you know, what is close to your heart. And, 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 and I also think not everybody is like Karim, who is able to sense what might be needed and create something from the ground up. If you're like that, fantastic. If there's something that's meaningful to you, you can probably look around. There will be lots of groups that already exist. Uh, so you can contemplate joining it. So whether it's if you want a skating rink near your home or you want a school near your home or something, there might be already a group looking to to push that to come into being. So you could join such a group. I mean, for me, I have never, I don't think I've created any such groups ex except informal social networks is what I create of people having good time together. That's, that's why I'm, I like having fun. I like to hang out with people who are having fun. And when we're all having fun together, it's, to me, that's just, a good life when we're all having fun together so that's what i do i just throw lots of parties i get i've been asked to throw a big uh sort of parties at home i don't personally see that as giving back per se so again do something that feels natural to you so it doesn't feel like you're pushing and giving something away it's something that you are part of and you're enjoying harish that's helpful and i think one of the things that you mentioned um early on in your response was a call out of uh, and 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 the reason why we kept this as our last episode that not everyone in their journey 
at this point in time are able to do this. It, uh, giving back is um, does come with a bit of a privilege, so it's not something that everyone can do, and they can do it differently as well. I guess, Kimali, there's a question in there for you, at least from my perspective, given the work that you do and you have volunteers coming and supporting you, is there a bit of a soft skill requirement or a hard skill requirement that you look for when you think about who can contribute to the community that you're leading and working in? No, I think I think there's a place for everybody. I would say, you know, the first thing to do is lean into curiosity. I know we, you know, <laughs> I don't know why I have this like Oprah moment of if you listen to Oprah or her, you know, fuel your fire, ignite your passion or whatever. I, I, I think that's a nice platitude, but that's, that's, it's not as simple as that, right? I think, I think we'll, our interests start from exploring what we're curious about and, and going a step further. I know we're talking broadly about community, but implied in that is also just our online communities, right? Especially, especially over the past 18 months, <laughs> two years, all, all we've had is virtual community, right? Starting with leaning into your curiosity and really like exploring what it is that interests you is an important first step. But so inspiring around this phase of my life and my, my time at Rainbow Railroad was just how many touch points of community exist from people just leaning in from curiosity. Like Rainbow Railroad was founded by a group of people who were just curious about the plight of LGBTQI plus persons internationally. And they, for years, Rainbow Railroad was just a volunteer network of people just trying to figure out how to do, do that. And every day, so many different types of people from all different walks of life reach out to us about how they could help. And I would say, I hope that I can say this with, with a degree of humility and not hubris, but I would, I would say, you know, I don't know five years ago, many people quite understood the plight of LGBTQI plus persons as they do now. And we're thankful for an opportunity to shed a light on an issue. And what that's done is created opportunities for individuals to step up and say, oh, I didn't know about this issue either. How can I help? And, and, and that's the first step, right? People who, were, who heard about what was happening in a certain country said, oh, that concerns me. Uh, I'm curious about that. Yeah. I wonder how I can reach out and help. And that's how communities formed every day. And that's how networks are formed. This is so, so enlightening to me. Uh, folks, uh, and I will go back to both Haresh and Kimali's comment. And what struck me in, in what you were saying, Haresh, in your moments of when you were saying, I just want to have fun. Girls, I just want to, you know, so yeah, yeah, you know, totally. yeah. Yeah. First, defying gravity with the show tunes. I don't know if anyone else <laughs> yeah, caught that. As soon as he said de defying gravity, I'm like, oh, we're having a wicked moment, but I can't say anything. And now yeah. Cindy Lauper, awesome. Go ahead. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that speaks to the authenticity of, your, of who you are. And it's beautiful. I think you understand it intellectually, but maybe not emotionally, is those fun gatherings and getting people from different stro you know, strokes of life, like getting people together. Do you know how many unintended benefits you have provided to the community you have without knowing it and so again just you know be driven by your passion because you actually are a community leader you may not see yourself that way but in my opinion you are because you bring people from different walks of life together kimali to your comment around uh, the rainbow railroad which for people who don't know 
is really, you know, finding safety for LGBTIQ2S people uh, around the world where they're in danger and bringing them into, into places of safety. Kimali, you know, the thought that struck me is your definition of community is people you don't know. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. then they come in and then there is a whole kind of get them in and then the settlement piece, which is where the community piece starts, right? But it's so groundbreaking, the work that you have done, because you have just in my mind redefined the meaning of community, meaning common purpose, right? And how satisfying it must be for you to having kind of, you know, recently the Afghan situation, the Chechnya, the Egypt, you have been involved in so many situations where people have come in into your life where you had not anticipated. They're like like the snowflakes and you caught many of them. So uh, I just find this very, very inspiring. So again, as Kareem said, um, I work for an organization that deals with a lot of people who are displaced around the world and are seeking refuge. What inspires me around community is how is community supported in surprising ways. Sometimes my work takes me to places where I have to meet and be engaged with people who are under duress or in hiding. And I recently was in a country where there were about 20 young LGBTQI plus persons who were escaping persecution and they were hiding out. And in a safe house that we were providing, just I've just returned home, and just recently the safe house manager sent me a video of them having a little gathering, and there are twenty people, young, escaping persecution, nothing to do but just to be 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 together, and they were having, you know, during COVID, uh, and they were having a gathering. And, you know, the message that the person sent me is said, you know, look, even against all odds, they're together, you know, and they formed a community. That's what they did. You know, they had no, in this case, they had the courage it took for them to just be, put themselves out there, connect with other strangers who are in the same situation as they are in, situations that neither, no one listening or either of us would want to be in. And yet they found a common good. They found a way to kind of coexist and form community. That's, and that's what resonates for me when in this conversation and every time we think about what it forms community. It's just taking that first step and building linkages with other people. I'm glad this is our last episode because I'm speechless right now. This, is, this has been amazing. This is probably one of the most heartwarming conversations we've had. And thank you so much, Kemali. Thank you so much, Harish. Thank you so much, Karim, for bringing um, these two amazing folks on on the chat as well. This is very enriching. And I know a lot of people will benefit from this conversation. I know I have. You know, this, this has made me reflect on the conversation around, we've talked about the benefits and the how, right? We've not quite talked about some of the learnings that we have derived from being in this, engaging with community. And I, I'd just like to share a few, and I would love to get both Haresh and Kimali's input into if they have any insights into what some of the learnings are. Because with every journey, every transformative journey, if someone says there are no learnings, I would say go back to school and learn the journey of transformation. Sorry to be a little bit kind of cute here, but they will be learnings. And my learnings are the following. 
as I got more and more deeper into the community, I found out, thanks to my friend and guide, Michelle, uh, you know, in this journey, when you put yourself out there, and we are making ourselves a little bit vulnerable, let's not kid ourselves. There are some people who will be ankle biters and coattail riders. So the ankle biters are the people, and they will be a minority. And depending on who you are and how much change you are trying to drive, because the more change you are trying to drive, them, there will be more ankle biters. Okay. And, and so these ankle biters will constantly want to, you know, bite your ankle and bring you down. The coattail riders will be people who just want to be around you because they love your success and they want to ride on your success and they want to get something out of it. So I learned through this, it's, it's just really one of the most profound learning experiences for me in my life, what Michelle has said to me, because they will be the ankle biters. And here's what I would say about them. I spent personally, and this is my vulnerability, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, why does such and such a person say negative things or, you know, whatever about me? Because there are people out there and there's tons of them, right? Ignore them. Focus on the 80% or the 60%. It's the quality, not the quantity, but, but just ignore the ankle biters and the coattail riders. Just go with the flow, right? Meaning just go with the flow. And so long as you understand if there's a, it's because of a personal relationship or it's because of your social status that people just want to hang around you. And I think that to me is a, has been a big learning in my community uh, experience. The second one, is models of leadership within the, as we engage within the community, I have found that the models of leadership are very different. There's corporate models, there's nonprofit models, there may be a thousand other models of leadership, but for those of us who come from a mindset of there's only one model of leadership, think again, because I found that consensus building, uh, listening is a huge part of at least, I'm trying to general, I don't want to generalize here in the nonprofit world. So the decision-making models change. That's been a huge learning for me because I have been, I, I spent 30 years, so 29, 30 years in a, in, a, in a corporate culture. And, you know, we've got all charts for everything from McKinsey and Booz Allen and to, to think about decision-making and how to make those, but throw all of those out. Because if you listen to people, there is a, there's a community consensus around how to drive decision-making. The third one is language. And as we get into different communities, I think there are different languages. The vernacular is very different. So I, for example, have become very aware of the when I say you guys, as opposed to you folks, mm -hmm. the vernacular is very, very, very different. The, th the fourth one is heart versus head. And this has been the most profound learning in my life, life period, not community, which is start from the heart and not the head. I always used to start from the head and then go to the heart. Because when you start from the heart, it may feel a little bit like you're not getting to the core business, but I tell you, it's hugely more effective and efficient because you are talking about yourself and not about the task and about the work. That's been very, very huge for me. You know, these are just some of the learnings, but before we wrap up, uh, you know, I'm wondering if, um, if Kimali and Haresh would maybe like to add to as we reflect uh, going forward. And if there's a listener out there and there will be plenty who will say, what are the risks here as I get into this? Can you just guide me a little bit? Any reflections on that, if any? I, I don't know about risks, but certainly a learning experience for me yeah. is, uh, and, and what resonated with what you said is going from the heart. 
and then sometimes we don't know whether it's our head speaking or whether it's heart speaking, right? So we say, oh, you know, Haresh, I say to myself, go network with this networking group. Uh, I might be doing it because of necessity, whatever the job I'm in, and I think I should be doing something like that. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, like years ago, and I tried a few different things. Uh, and, and just know that life is a little bit of an experiment. So you try some things, perhaps it works out and it feels good, then you're probably on the right track and aligned with your heart. But you're doing something and, and it's just not feeling right for you. Something is not fitting. Then as an experiment, you say, okay, I tried that. Maybe that is not right for me. I'm going to pivot to somewhere else. I'm going to take a break from this. So absolutely treat it as a bit of a trial and error. Uh, and just because something failed in a certain area, don't just poo-poo and say all oh, networking is not going to work for me. I think what I've learned and what's true is how much better we are together. You know, I've been so fortunate in my life and in my career uh, to see the power of what happens when people work together. Like we really are, you know, not to do some cliche slogan, but we are stronger together. Uh, I, I really believe it. I had a, the fortune of meeting Karim, for example, during my time at the HIV Legal Network. Who knew then that we would have so much touch points um, and intersections around how we would form communities in many different ways, whether it's through, you know, a group of individuals who are curious about Canada's role on LGBTQI rights internationally or are protesting for LGBTQI rights in, in Russia or meeting a group of young Jamaicans who are under duress to, uh, you know, just, just socially gathering and having drinks. Just recently, uh, you know, um, Michelle, you were an example, a witness of this, where Karim and I were having a catch-up dinner, just the two of us. And I think by the time, uh, within two hours, the group expanded to 10 people who just walked by, uh, which included not people who were involved in activism, people who were just general friends, to also the leader of the Metropolitan Community Church of Toronto, to um, the executive director of Pride Toronto, all breaking bread by accident. That's the power of community. And that's what I'm, I'm so fortunate to be in the intersections of so much community building. As I think about this episode as well, I think, to me at least, this is one I'm going to go back to. Like it's, it's like a religious book, you know? Yeah, they say when you read it again, you get a different thing out of it. I think I'm going to get something out of with this episode every time I listen to it. So thank you so much. I, I personally am very enriched by the conversation and the things, Kimali, you had to share, Harish, you had to share, and of course, Karim, you, you always have been amazing. Thank you and appreciate that. Kimali, did, we did talk about your work a lot. If people want to reach out to you, is there an easy way to connect with you or find your work? Absolutely. Uh, if people are curious about the work of Rainbow Railroad, they could go to rainbowrailroad.org. Uh, you can find me that way. Also, find me on, the, on social media and happy to stay connected. And I'm with you, Ahmed. Only I would kind of, it's a little different for me. I'm going to come back to this as part of my spiritual nourishment, the way I would like a Maya Angelou book or mm -hmm. anything else that Oprah recommends. <laughs> so on that note, I can't think of a more fitting end for 
what is the final episode of our Being Single and Happy podcast. I guess it's fitting to ask, how do you feel about the journey we've taken together? I, I guess we're recording this episode as, you know, we, we haven't launched yet. Just for, for listeners, we're recording this episode four days before our podcast launch. So we will, I guess, hear your comments and even get the final product ourselves in more detail in the next coming few weeks. But I would say that just how we contributed, invested, discussed this idea, and then executed it over the past few months, it's been a transformative journey. It's we're recording this episode or this season in, you know, the year two of pandemic. And a lot of people were struggling with different things. I know I personally was. This was my sweet escape. So I couldn't be more thankful to Karim uh, and to Michelle, both of you for being with me in this part of the journey. And to all of our awesome guests, honestly, who came on and they just enriched our lives so much. I know we are doing it for a lot of other people <laughs> in the spirit of this episode with giving back, because this was our attempt of giving back. I've certainly gained a lot. Wow. So Michelle, I mean, I, you know, we're in a wrap up, so people are ready to go to the bathroom or whatever. So I'll keep it short. But first of all, a feeling of gratitude, a feeling of gratitude that the universe has landed us this opportunity for me to work with the both of you, who I loved dearly before we began, but I know you both in a very different way now. So that journey for me has been personally very profound. And so I, I sincerely want to thank you. The other comment I would make is this podcast, even though we're supposed to be the ostensible kind of, uh, you know, alleged experts here, I have grown so much just thinking about the subjects that we have talked about, significantly listening to all of our guests because they have provided insights and twists and turns to, you know, into my mind that I had not thought about. And the third and the final comment is, you know, I talked about about looking for possibilities and saying, is this something I believe in, I, I want to do? And, and my conclusion is, I, if there's a possibility to continue this conversation, not about being single and happy, but about other subjects as well, we now have the wherewithal. We're all newbies here in doing podcasts, but I feel we have learned uh, our way through this. The third thing is, it's given me inspiration and it's given me confidence to maybe do more of these because we can do it. And there are so many other things that we need to talk about. So I will just wrap up to point number one. I'm just eternally grateful. Thank you so much, both of you. And to our listeners for staying with us throughout this journey, we want to hear back from you. Please, we are very interested in your opinions. Thank you so much. Karim, your ability in a moment when someone asks you a question to fully say, I have three points. I'm going to hit all three points. Your bullets like satisfies the consultant in me. So I am just like super, you know, inspired. And I, it fascinates me how you can do that. Michelle, back to you. How, what did you gain or what did you learn from this podcast? Oh, so much. Oh my goodness. I like, Karim, you mentioned that we're, you know, we're all new to this. Like this was an idea and you asked Amit and I to participate and it was awesome. And I listened to our earlier episodes and I'm like, oh, reminds me of season one of RuPaul's Drag Race versus now. <laughs> right. So if anyone hasn't watched that show, it was like some really cheap, like, you know, boxy set. And it's like clearly so new. And now it's 
just the evolution. I don't know if it's internal. I don't know how it sounds, but I know how it feels. And I agree. I've learned a lot about you know myself through this. I've learned a lot more on levels that I didn't anticipate, like beyond the topics. You know how even when it comes to personal censorship, when it comes to self judgment, when it comes to you know speaking your truth and how just being yourself without trying to be perfect can really not only enhance your life, but maybe, just maybe even affect someone else's. Yeah, it's been awesome. And if you want to continue, or if there's other opportunities that come out of this, the universe is always listening and I'm open. And I thank you. I give you both my my gratitude as as podcast co-hosts, as fellow humans, and as friends because you are awesome. And I'm very, very blessed and grateful to have you in my life. So thank you, Ahmed, for being a wonderful sounding board and you know, telling me things I need to hear when I need to hear them. <laughs> Karim, for just seeing, for, for your vision, for your love, for your essence, because you're just a wonderful person. You both are. Oh my goodness, you are both going to make me cry, which will be snowflakes <laughs> and tears now. I but, know. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, you know, thank you so much. I mean, we are all snowflakes. We're connected in ways we don't know. Every time we say goodbye, I die a little. Every time we say goodbye, I wonder why a little. Every time we say goodbye, we had to end it with a show tune. I, I, I was going to say that, Michelle, you got it in there. You did. <laughs> thank well you, done. Mr. Cole Porter. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again. As, as, as we've been saying, this is our mutual baby, mutual legacy. And I am just so grateful and thankful that it's with the two of you. Our listeners, um, you can reach out to us on being in, uh, being single and happy on Instagram. You can reach out to us on our website, beingsingleandhappy.com as well. You can email us. Our email addresses are our first names at thewebsitename.com. This is our last episode as you're hearing it, but we'll continue to work on future projects. And this is a topic still very close to our hearts. So we're not going anywhere. Uh, our accounts will be active and we are actively listening to you. With that, goodbye, stay well, and see you soon. You have been listening to Being Single and Happy with Karim Ladakh. You can follow us on Instagram. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. May you be happy.